great. We've managed to talk for like over an hour. Oh my days. <laughs> How do we do that? I don't know. Oh my days. We're like, oh yeah, my days. Like what catch up. <laughs> <laughs> just, just see how you're getting on. You know, just like we won't do a heavy do. one today. <laughs> Hello, this is Greater, Stronger, Wiser. Two overthinking musicians. I'm Philippa. And I'm Hannah. And we're doing a series of podcasts in which we have deep chats about music, life and other things. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or if you have any questions, let us know. You can find our details in the bio below. Hey, (laughs) nice to be speaking with you. Hello. And you too. Um, Yes, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself, chat about... Mm-hmm. who you are and um what you do yeah so I am Philippa and I'm a singer-songwriter I go by the name of Philippa Zawe on my on the stage mm-hmm. and when I'm not on the stage I'm an events manager in the city so working with promoters across Birmingham to bring live music to the jewelry quarter and to the Bur- and to and to the Birmingham <laughs> <laughs> to the Birmingham that's what I that's what I do <laughs> That's a great introduction. How about you? That's so cool. Uh, Fine. <laughs> who are you? Who are you? Who person? am I? Oh, don't even know, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm Hannah. I have been a full-time musician um, since yeah, late last year, about December. Before then, mm. was just doing it part-time. Um, and I'm a qualified social worker. Um, and I live in Devon. Yeah, Amazing. that's me. Um, that is also a cool introduction, mate. <laughs> Thank you. It's weird, isn't it, when you're friends yeah. with someone, you're like, God, God, you're cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm you like, cool oh wow, <laughs> you are, you're, you're an important person in society. <laughs> but for real though, you are. Oh, thanks. You too. Oh, thanks, 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 thanks. <laughs> so, Hannah, what's been on your mind lately? What's oh. been on? What's been in the noggin? Um, I've been thinking a lot about how, I don't know, how we're all coping at the moment um, mm-hmm. or not coping. I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was listening to the news quiz yesterday and they asked mm-hmm. that question, how's everyone coping? And this mm-hmm. guy, oh, I can't for the life of me remember his name. And he just said, I'm not coping. Like, I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie and say that I am because I've been baking or I've been doing all these projects or whatever. He was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not coping. I find this really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just really nice to hear that because I think yeah. especially as, I think especially as creative people, I think there's a lot of pressure. Uh, we, you know, we talk about this a lot. Like there's a lot of pressure to create and to... Mm-hmm you know keep everybody going during this time and I think I think it's just overwhelming and you know I've heard a lot of people thankfully who saying that actually they're really not you know finding the time to create right now and I totally Mm. I'm really yeah I really get that I think Mm -hmm. we did a live stream last week and I realized I hadn't picked up any of my instruments or sang in a week Mm. (laughs) and it was just like I don't know like a couple of months ago it would be every day that we'd be rehearsing and performing and driving to 
venues and it would be just yeah. you know it was a whole life and mm-hmm. without that kind of purpose without making any money it's mm-hmm. it's suddenly it's kind of turned into a different thing I guess and I think I'm what I'm thinking about at the moment probably is how to regain that and how to keep keep doing that myself mm-hmm. and not just for other people I guess mm-hmm because mm-hmm. um, yeah. it needs to be it needs to be that place of comfort and it needs to be mm. that place of solace mm-hmm. do you know what I mean because mm-hmm. it is, it's got to be a healing balm otherwise yes. it is just going to be one of those things that you cannot return to because mm. you're like it's a chore and now is a time that actually it needs to be serving you I guess yes. it's now's a time that it needs to be looking after you as well yeah. as I th- and I think especially the topics that we sing about mm. they tend to be things that are either to create this idea of solidarity for people for them mm. to know that they're not alone in this in this fight against this injustice or mm. it's for people to feel as though I don't know if it's it's always for other people to feel not alone or to mm. encourage other people to take action, you know? Mm. That's kind of the space that we're always... I feel, I feel as us as creators, we're writing from, creating from. Mm. We tend to be creating from this place of you need to now take action. We need to take action as collective. Mm. But actually, there's really not a lot that we can do right yes. now. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, now I just need to re understand mm. what this creative process is about yes and actually yeah. it has to be something that you go back to you like I love picking up my my guitar because <laughs> it helps me get through this you know yes yeah yeah absolutely um, and I think trying to regain that sense of love for what you do mm. and for it not having to kind of have this end point of you know giving it to other people in a sense mm-hmm. which is kind of what it becomes it becomes about mm. you know as you're saying like creating something for other people to to have was almost kind mm-hmm. of like a service <laughs> as like a service it is <laughs> it's a yeah. Service. Yeah. but um but yeah I mean just thinking about like I don't know my 14 year old self picking up a guitar and what that meant and why that was special and important Mm. and how then you can recreate recreate reconnect to that Mm. um but I think it also goes back to something that you were saying when we spoke last week Hannah Mm. I think it was you're saying how even if it's not about being an activist Mm. being honest with yourself being honest with the situation that you're in is still gonna serve other people yes it's still gonna create that solidarity isn't it it's still gonna provide a place for other people to come and say oh I feel known I feel understood I feel safe in the space of this music Mm. you know I feel safe in this space Mm. I I don't feel like I have to pretend I don't feel like I have to say to people I'm coping really well like you can sit in that music and just say, I'm not coping. Yes, yes. You know? Yeah, and I think it it comes from what, I guess, what your intention is with music. And I think probably, and I think you're probably similar, but I think I have a very kind of, like, I'm a bit of a kind of person who wants to save people (laughs) or Mm -hmm. I want to fix things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something I've probably been coming to terms with anyway with, you know, Mm 
doing social work and thinking about that a lot but I think mm-hmm. I often kind of see music as a means to an end for trying to help other people and of course like it can't be that because it mm-hmm. it you know music the, the idea of music is that you create something and then people take what they want from it and that's the yeah. beauty of it I mean yeah, yeah, yeah I could listen to a song and you could listen to a song and we could come out with completely different feelings with what it's about Mm. and I think that's so beautiful and I think Mm -hmm. as soon as you yeah as soon as you say people must take this from it and I'm going to help everyone (laughs) then then Mm -hmm. I think you're you're not giving people the freedom to to make up their own minds with it and actually you're not stepping back and just creating the art that you know your hands and your mind and your heart and whatever that they want to create you're trying to force something Mm-hmm, on other mm-hmm. people that they you know that they might not necessarily want I don't think it's helpful to you know not that I'm necessarily saying that I do this I think it's just mindful to think about making people as victims and kind of mm-hmm. trusting their own experiences and their own perspectives um, mm-hmm. and what they bring to it as much as what you give out yeah totally mm. yeah so kind of on that note, um, mm-hmm. what what would you say you normally write about? What are the kind of themes that you generally discuss? Yeah, so, because if you don't know me and you've, you're just listening <laughs> to this podcast, you, don't, you haven't seen me, <laughs> you, you may not know that I'm a black woman. Because uh, I didn't, I didn't mention that beforehand, but it is, it is part of who I am, it is who I am, and I tend to write a lot about that. I tend to write a lot about race. I tend to write a lot, and not necessarily that explicitly always. Sometimes it's just songs about me grappling with feelings that I have about race or feelings Mm -hmm. that have been stirred up when I see other black people being mistreated. Um, So I write about that. I write about my relationship with faith. So I'm a Christian. And so I write about that as well. And I write about, again, the somewhat conflicts that I sometimes see in the world mm. and what I believe and just trying to sort of grapple with that and trying to understand what is God really saying about these things and not shutting myself up because I think it's really easy to shut yourself up. But I, that's what I love about creativity is that you can, <laughs> anything you say goes. It's yes. like, Christian's like, oh, she's really cool and arty. I'm like, yeah, this is just me dealing with my doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but cool, yeah, we can call it cool and arty if we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anything says goes in art. Mm. And then when it's not faith, it's just talking about other social justice issues that really just grind my gears in terms of, <laughs> <laughs> grind my gears in terms of thinking about you know thinking about refugees and asylum seekers and uh, thinking about poor people in general you know like thinking mm. about poverty and in- inequality mm. and how there is so much of it in this country mm. that has so many resources and I'm actually just seeing more and more of it now during COVID-19 I'm like there really? are so many people with so much money yes. who are being really stingy with where it goes Oh, right. So where where have you where have you seen that? So I've been seeing that. Just thinking about. So this is another thing that's just been <laughs> been pissing me off lately. Basically, <laughs> so we have the the venue that I work at is a church. It's a Church of England church in mm. Birmingham city centre, and we 
a lot of the congregation so i don't i'm not actually a member of the congregation but a lot of mm-hmm. the congregation that do go to the church are refugees and asylum seekers mm-hmm. we're noticing that a lot of them are going through a lot of hardship so mm. there's a company that called circo that administers the money that's meant to go to the refugees mm. in their in their hostels and their places of accommodation mm-hmm. and a lot of them are saying that they're not actually getting it no oh and circo is saying that they're not getting it from the government so i'm like so who's bullshitting who? Yeah. Like, is it Circa that are corrupt? Yeah. Or is the government who's been throwing this money left, right and centre, like actually not looking for the, oh after the most vulnerable in our society? And you'd think as well, because those things often go so under the radar. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many atrocities committed within those communities, which we don't even really talk about, let alone know about. I mean, the fact that we yeah. still have detention centres yeah. in this country yeah. and that people can be indefinitely detained for just the reason that they are somebody seeking asylum is just mm-hmm. completely incomprehensible, I think, for so yeah. many people thinking that we live in a moral and just society that's free for people to live and speak and you know in the way that they in the way that they want to mm-hmm. and I think I would I mean as unfortunate as it is I wouldn't be surprised if those yeah. sorts of things are going on right now I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that yeah it's quite saddening it's quite disheartening because mm. the reason that I was and then the other that so that's one side of the money issue. Then the mm. other side of it is that I'm I'm applying to trusts and foundations, so that they right. can support a member of staff to look after our asylum seeker community and our refugee right. community because they need that support. They need someone yeah. that they trust. Yes, that's part of the congregation that can mm-hmm. speak to their needs and mm-hmm. because they're so vulnerable right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. As as we all we're all quite vulnerable in society right now mm-hmm. because we're all vulnerable to this disease. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're all I mean but it's not a level playing field. So when people are like, no. Oh, it's a great level, I'm like, No, it's really not because some of the most vulnerable people in our society yes. aren't being looked after. What a terrifying phrase. A great like it, the fact that this is a leveller. I can't yeah. even wrap my head around that, I think. No. I I mean I can you know, I'd want to empathise as much as possible with people who are saying that and where that's coming from. But I just think, you know, it's something we were talking about the other day, the fact that black people are four times more likely mm. to die from this. I mm-hmm. mean, how how are we on any sort of level playing field with statistics like that and with people exactly. living in, you know, the conditions that refugees and asylum seekers are living in? Like, mm-hmm. how... How are how are any of these things level? They're just they're just not, and it's mm. it's showing these things, it's highlighting these things even more. Mm. And so that's when I was just like, there are trusts and foundations out there with loads and loads of money. Mm. I think that's the other. That's when it. That's another thing when the penny dropped. I was like, oh, there are all these people with all this money, and then <laughs> they and they decide where it goes and who yes. gets it. It's like. Yes. It's like beggars and choosers, beggars, like going to these people, like, give us your money, please, because we want to do all this hard work. Mm. But then on the other side of it, you're like, why isn't the government administering this yeah. money? Yeah. It's like, why do we have to apply to trusts and foundations yeah. to yeah. do the work that the government should be doing in the first place? Mm. Yeah. And I know that, I know these are unprecedented times and I know that the energies have to be swayed, but mm. like, it doesn't feel as though... 
Well, the resources weren't there in the first place, right? The resources yeah. to look after the vulnerable in our society weren't there in the first place. Yes. So they can't strengthen that resource because it wasn't there in the first mm. place. Yeah. And you think about the systems that we're living in right now that have been so depleted in the last mm-hmm. decade mm-hmm. from austerity. I mean, how mm-hmm. how are expecting to build any sort of structure to support people from all of that depletion? I mean, you think about... Like, as a social worker, like, mm. the fact that your kind of average time as a social worker is something ridiculous. I, I don't know if this is right, but I think it's two years. Nino, Nino, it's the fact check police. I'm just briefly interrupting your podcast listening experience to say that I had a look at this statistic and I got it wrong. An average social worker's lifespan is seven years, not two. Pretty different. Um... But I did see an article from Community Care, which is a pretty well-trusted social care um, magazine that we use a lot in uni. That said that the majority of social workers aim to leave their jobs within the next 16 months. And I can qualify that as having been one and having friends in that sector. Lots of people feel the same way. Back to the podcast. And you think if you've got the dropout rate of all of those people that you're spending years training with bursaries and with all these things Mm. and, Mm. you know, this job is just, these jobs are so difficult to do because you're up against so many challenges, then how how are you creating Mm -hmm. a society that's at all able to deal with something like this? It's just not possible. And, mm-hmm. you know, speaking as somebody who, you know, I was a social worker for six months <laughs> during my placement and couldn't do mm-hmm. any longer than that. Well, I say mm-hmm. that I'm going back into it soon. But I, it's if mm-hmm. it was as untenable as it was then. And now I know from speaking to people who are still in the mm-hmm. profession, it's far, far worse at mm-hmm. the moment. I just... You know, I just can't believe mm. we're treating our key workers, the people on the lowest, you know, not the lowest pay, but people who aren't being paid very much to do these jobs is just, yeah. I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work in my head. <laughs> and you think about people who are doing, I don't know, it like people compute. who are doing wealth management from their computers at home, doing spreadsheets all day, getting, I don't know. Mm lots of money (laughs) just like i don't understand but no just uh, you know i I want to have as much understanding as possible towards those people and i don't want it to be a i don't want that last comment to be a thing against the people who decide to do those jobs because i think you know Mm. we should all have free choice to do the Mm -hmm. jobs that we want to i think it's just there's just such a misplacement of of jobs in this country and of how we value those people and especially mm-hmm. you know I was just looking at something mm-hmm. um just now on my Facebook page I'm part of a um some lots of kind of feminist intersectional groups on Facebook and there was this post that someone posted just saying mm-hmm. can we stop punishing um people who are in feminized jobs and you know thinking about all of most of the jobs that mm. are kind of seen as kind of low skilled or seen as not important i mean they're the mm-hmm. people we're clapping for every thursday mm-hmm. <laughs> right now and 
Yeah, the, I know. You know, they're the people <laughs> who were, you know, putting their lives on the line. Exactly. I want to talk about your music, but and I also want to go back to the bit where mm. I want to talk about the journey that you t- went on to deciding mm. to go into show, go back into social work. But yeah, let's talk about your music. You. So, first. Um, yeah, so I'm part of a folk duo called Ready Day Woman, and we've been playing together for mm-hmm. about six years, and yeah, playing professionally and full-time for the last few months um but yeah I I do pretty Mm -hmm. much all of the songwriting and it's very intertwined Mm -hmm. with yeah what you were talking about earlier Philippa about um refugees and asylum seekers Mm -hmm. and just kind of general daily Mm -hmm. injustices um that maybe I've felt or other people have felt Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah mm. I would just on that note I think I'm also very cool I'm always kind of quite cautious not to kind of force those things I think I think there's a mm. I think I probably have been through a few phases of writing very angry songs that have been quite direct <laughs> and um, mm. yes <laughs> We've all been there, mate. Oh no, that's a beautiful mate. song. I love that song. Case in point. Nah, I'm talking. I'm talking much poorer songwriting. Um, but we've talked about this quite a lot. I've said to you so many times. Like, I think it's so important yes. for us to get those ragey songs out. Because I mean, I, I, I like looking back. <laughs> I mean, it makes me cringe, but I like looking yes. back and being like, oh, I have yes. grown past that now. <laughs> I'm like, I like looking yeah. back and being like, oh, well, wow, I was going through a thing. Damn. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> I was going through don't a really thing. realize. Wow. Like, when when you're writing down these songs mm. or, I don't know, yeah, when you're filling notebooks full of <laughs> these lyrics about stuff, you often don't realize until, like, <laughs> a few months later or a year or whatever, you're like, God, that was really in my head for a long time. <laughs> I didn't even know. Why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. good to it's good to go through that process, I feel. I think it's good to go through yes. that bit of like, okay, let's get all these angry thoughts out. And then, because I find that I've written the same song. I've just written it. Yes, yes. More subtle, you yeah. know? I've written the same mm-hmm. song, but yeah. it's just a lot more mm-hmm. subtle than and it I was think before. also like yeah you know I, I think it's again about kind of trusting the listener isn't it it's about thinking like well people who want to get mm. these things out of this song will get them out if if they want to find them and I think it's often about kind of not shoving that in people's faces because you know, it's like it's like an angry argument on Twitter, yeah. isn't it? I don't actually have Twitter, but I've heard about it. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like no, no one's ever going to respond yeah. well to, yeah, well, you do this, and I think you're stupid, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. this should change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Even that's when, even though yeah, that's how exactly. you feel at the time, <laughs> you're like, I hate all of you. <laughs> 
is actually like, no, you can't. No, we need to. Yes. Yeah. Write it down. Back it. It. Well, no, write it down. Don't, write don't it, down. it down. Write yeah. it down. It needs to be written down. Yes. Yeah. But don't stay yeah, there. And I, and I think that's really interesting. You Just know? you saying don't stay there. I think that's what my musical process is. It's like the way mm. my songs come from trying not to stay there. They come from trying to access mm-hmm. a point where I feel like I can understand the other side. And I think that's probably why it's so important mm. for me personally is that it helps me helps me try and mm. understand where, I don't know, where other people are coming from and why perhaps some of these decisions are being made and how, you know, like you think about, yeah. just a kind of example, you think about the reason why people are so hostile towards refugees and asylum seekers in general conversation and in tabloids and whatever. Mm. And you think that comes from a place of fear. That's a genuine mm. fear and wanting to be safe mm. and wanting to protect yourself and protect your family yeah and oh look those are exactly the same emotions mm. that that refugee or asylum seeker is coming from they want to feel safe they want to protect their family mm. and themselves and as soon as you marry up those things you're like we're all just ex- we're all mm. experiencing the same human emotions not that this condones hatred towards those yeah, people exactly. but it's about trying to I don't know, trying to reframe some of those feelings that we all, you know, we all have on a kind of knee-jerk reaction. And it's about trying to access why Mm -hmm. other people might be experiencing those and how you can understand that better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Empathy is so important. Empathy is such an important thing. I think Mm. those, you know, when I think about my favourite novels and I think about my favourite films and I think about my favourite any piece of art or culture that Mm. involves a lot of people when I think about it it's always the characters it's always those pieces of art that don't Mm. leave everyone being perfect Mm. even the people that you feel like should be the hero they're not your perfect hero who does nothing wrong Mm. and everything they do is justifiable Mm. at the end of the story you know it's actually those people who are really human and are depicted as such because that's what we all are we're all flawed human beings with fears with insecurities and it some Mm people for some people it just comes out in very extreme ways unfortunately Mm -hmm. unfortunately it just comes out in very extreme ways that Mm -hmm. result in hurting other people it all comes from a place doesn't it that you know it's i think it's so important to understand before you can make you know perhaps your second judgment I mean you make your first judgment when you hear about something awful happening Mm. to somebody else um and you hear about a perpetrator or whatever Mm. um and I think it's really important to take those things into account and that I think that's often confused with with forgiveness and acquittal and I think you can Mm. you know you don't you don't ne- those things don't necessarily cancel cancel each other out. I think um, I think it's just important to understand where people come mm-hmm. from. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, yeah. what do you think um, came first for you um, in terms of your music or your activism? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm, good question 
So mm. I think for me, mm. it was definitely the music first. I've been singing, you know, I can, I remember there's a photo of me oh. when I was like a little three-year-old and my parents got me this little microphone and I stood on top of this box just singing and it's just always, I've always wanted to be a singer. I've always wanted to be, <laughs> I've always wanted to be a pop star as, as, as you say when you're little. And then it was when I Ooh. found poetry in, was it year seven, year eight? I can't remember. It was, I, I discovered poetry in year eight and I was like, I want to talk about oh, the homeless yeah, person. Yeah. I want to talk about that person. I want to talk yeah. about why we let this happen. I want to talk about the environment. Mm. I want to talk about why we're not looking after mm. our planet. Like I want to talk about those things. You know, when I was younger, like all yeah. I was really consuming was like your pop stars, your people who were singing about yeah, love sure. and romance. And I was writing <laughs> love and romance songs. I'm like, yeah. what, does a, what does a nine-year-old know about love? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes Aww. I wish I was romantic and hopeful as her, but you know sometimes like oh I just wish I could just have a bit more like yeah. softness there's something really nice about that like and I've okay. been writing a lot more softer songs lately I've been writing just songs that are a bit mm. softer in terms of emotion but yeah from a young age from about yeah 12 13 I've been wanting to think about how mm. what about the person that's forgotten mm. what about the person that we don't talk about the mm. person that we ignore in society like I want to talk about that I want to talk about how we look mm. after things and look after people. So it, it 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 came in my consciousness when I was a lot when I was around mm. at twelve thirteen. But it's music mm. has always been the thing that came first, and then the activism came mm. when I could actually start forming thoughts. I think. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I think. I think they both kind of, I don't know, I can't, I can't think of a time when I wasn't interested in both things. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember um, probably in year four, we had to do, we had to do like public speaking things every year. And I loved those. <laughs> I loved public mm. speaking. I did it all the way until year nine. Yeah, and then do. suddenly I went into the teenage shyness and anxiety phase. Love it. And <laughs> still, mm. oh my God, I know. Darn oh it, God. those bloody hormones. Yeah. Not fun. But um, but yeah, I remember in year mm. four, I did, I did a presentation about animal testing. <laughs> And it was on like the overhead projector wow. with like all these rabbits, Damn. and I brought in loads of body shop products. <laughs> I was talking about how great the body shop was. Wow! And I had, I think I've always had a really strong sense of justice, um, and I really liked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like people would have called me bossy, which I resented, and I still resent now for the sexist mm-hmm. connotations, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I. Mm-hmm, I really mm-hmm. liked I don't know I had I had a very strong sense of what was right and what was wrong and what was fair and that was often misplaced mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking back now thinking about the things that mm-hmm. you know you think about the things you used to think were right and wrong when you were a kid or I don't know I've, I've always kept a diary so I'm quite able to access mm-hmm. a lot of those thoughts and it's just like, oh Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a strong sense of just justice without the actual <laughs> moral compass. <laughs> Do you know 
just like telling people what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. but yeah, and I've always mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. singing and making music. My um, my nan's mm. a music teacher, and she um, or she used to be, and mm. um, we used to do lots of piano lessons together. And she used to, although she was very like reliant on kind of learning the notes and the notation and practicing which I really resented um, she also had quite a mm-hmm, we used to have mm-hmm. a really fun thing that she used to do where um she would like create a story and kind of play the piano along with um like what was happening in the story so I don't know you're walking along like in a forest and there are some like kind of tiptoeing piano notes and then it all gets stormy and she plays all the low notes and I would play at the you know play different things and yeah so nice. I think I loved playing music like that yeah so that much fun. So fun I have a lot um yeah yeah a lot of admiration for her a lot that I have got from her really um and that was how I always loved doing it mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. I always like played by ear with music I never really learned any notation I yeah. found it too boring and I didn't sit still long enough um and yeah no I was the yes, same yeah, I me quit too. so many instruments <laughs> yes <laughs> my poor yeah. parents no totally like, sorry <laughs> thank you for buying me this violin but um I'm bored now <laughs> yeah I was yeah. like yeah now nah, for me and I'm like but why <laughs> But my parents weren't the kind of parents that I, I sometimes wish I was like, yeah. why don't you just make me do it? But my parents have always been oh, very great. like, yeah, you do what you want. Kind of, pre- they've never been pressured. Really they've never really pressured me a lot. Which is, yeah, it, it is It is actually, I, mm. I look back, I'm like, mm. I'm, I was actually really lucky to have that and that my parents mm. really wanted me to just pursue what I That's love. That's really special. Um, to my mother's dismay now. <laughs> Because I'm not an engineer. Do what you love as long as what we want to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, do what you love. But I thought you loved engineering. (laughs) So I'm like, this is how you parented me. This is the child that you've got now. The person that does what she wants. I I guess there are kind of a few different approaches towards it, aren't there? And I think maybe if you're a musical parent yourself Mm -hmm. I can understand why you would you know kind of make your kids go to lessons and make sure they practiced even if they weren't enjoying it Mm -hmm. um but as a kind of investment for their future and I do understand that um but as a kid myself I yeah I resented any of those (laughs) any of those things and um Mm -hmm. Mm. I think I think I have sometimes wished that my parents had did that but then you can never know how that would impact your relationship with music now I mean would you would you have the same yeah, so kind of true. emotional connection so to true. it would it be a release or would it be a reminder of I don't know of pressures mm. that were put on you or of uh I don't know like reluctance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just being something that you need to do um to fulfill a goal um which it isn't for me and I'm really grateful that it's not Mm -hmm. Mm. no I totally agree I sometimes wonder that like what if I'd you know stuck at it with uh, guitar and like 
I quite enjoy just picking mm. up my guitar and sometimes I'll play along to a song. Obviously, I'm not as fluent as other people who could just be able to like. Well, when you're playing along to a song as well, I mean, (laughs) that's really hard to do off the cuff anyway, so. It is, Mm. but I really, I'm I'm exploring that now more, and I'm really enjoying that, and I don't know, maybe, (laughs) I I probably would be a lot better at it if I had Mm. been, if I'd stuck at the training, but I think there's something nice about not knowing and then figuring it out. Yes. That's how I just (laughs) do life anyway, that's how I do a lot of my jobs I'm like yeah I have no freaking clue what I'm doing but I'm gonna just power through yes and then you actually really do find your groove yeah you know like you find what fits you Mm. I found that when I've tried to conform and do what everyone else is doing I just get distressed yeah and I'm like oh I can't fit in with your mold I can't fit in with your way of doing things and I've just got this Mm. knotty anxiety in my stomach I think those feelings are quite hard to identify as well at the time and I think you know say you're going into a new Mm. job setting and you're trying to fit in with a time scale or you're trying to fit in Mm -hmm. with ways that people do things and you're not allowing yourself to kind of free fall and um, experiment I think it can make you feel like Mm -hmm. a failure because you're constantly comparing and someone's always going to be better at doing their version of their Mm -hmm. thing than you are and I think it's an excuse Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. yeah be unkind to yourself and I think if you already have a predisposition to do that it can make things really difficult um and so yeah like with the music thing it's if you're able to find your own way with it and that's free of pressures and other people's way of doing things and I think that's just yeah the most special thing we both know Thank you for listening to Greater, Stronger, Wiser, Two Overthinking Musicians. We'll see you next week. Too tricky to handle, too tricky to handle. I'm too tricky to handle, too tricky I am too. <laughs> oh, should we record the ending as well now? We oh yeah, now? good idea, yeah. Thank you for listening to Greater, Stronger, Wiser. No, 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 that doesn't work. Thank you for listening to Greater, Stronger, Wiser. I can't, I can't do that. No, do it, do it, do it. (laughs) 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 Do it, do it. (laughs) Do it, do it. Okay, I meant I believe in you. (laughs) That's what I meant. Thank you. I believe that you can do it. (laughs) Thank you.